In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Steelers versus the Browns. It's one of the biggest games in Cleveland Browns history. Hayden is going to retire, but I'm here with Jack Duffin and Ian Wright. Jack, how are you feeling? Well, it's the perfect game to get over our defensive woes from last week, but at the same time, I can't say I'm ever truly excited to wake up at 1.20 in the morning and watch an NFL game. Um, I'd much rather be doing it at 6 o'clock. Well, sorry, Jack, we're not factoring NFL games around your sleep habits. This is a Cleveland Browns podcast and we're super excited to have the Browns going to beat the Steelers in the first energy stadium. Ian, are you feeling a bit more positive? I think beat's an understatement of a word. I think the word spank is uh, more accurate. I like when Jack uses the word spank on a podcast. It's, you know, I felt that, gentlemen, before this, before we hit record, we had our little players only discussion before we hit record. And I think that is what's going to set up our team to accurately predict what the Browns team is going to do on Thursday. So shout out to the players only meetings that we have probably more productive than the players meeting that the defense had, but irregardless, which I know is not a word, but it drives my wife nuts. Irregardless, we're here to do a podcast, baby. On the players only, I want to ask your guys view because this has come out and it's got really mixed reactions on Twitter. For me, I'm really happy they've had it and I'm perfectly fine that it's been made public. What I haven't seen, it hasn't been a discussion on what went down in the meeting because that gets messy and I don't want to hear it. But the fact that they've come out and said, hey, we had a players only meeting because we discussed it on our post game show just a couple of days ago and said they need to sit down as players look each other in the eye and sort this out. As much fault as people want to point at Joe Woods and everything else, and there is a factor they're responsible for, the players also have a responsibility and they should hold each other to account. So for me, some people have really acted badly. If it came out that, hey, we're not talking about it publicly, no comment, then I'm feeling like they don't really care what's going on, whereas you can tell they genuinely care and they're doing something about it. So I'm I'm positive on um, everything I've heard about it so far. I'd rather not the the Denzel Ward, the John Johnson comments that it's not my fault, boss, that's made to the media. But this one part of it, very happy that the players have taken some initiative. Obviously, I disagree. Because, yes, I do agree that this isn't something that needs to be tried in the media, so to say, with all of the he said, she said, my coverage, no coverage, all the PFF stuff. I get it. But a players-only meeting, if we think about just what that is, so all of the players went into a meeting room to talk about what, right? Oh, you need to be more accountable. Okay, you need to have substance to these things, right? If all of a sudden, now, I would understand if it's a players-only meeting where, say, like, John Johnson and Denzel Ward have some personal beef that they have to iron out, and they want to work that out on the side. But the entire concept of a players only meeting two day, two games into a season is mind boggling. What are you talking about that? You can't have a coach there. Like 
I don't trust these people at this point to not have an adult in the room that anything's going to be productive. They can't get along on the field with a coach on the sidelines. Why do, and they're getting paid for that. Why do I think that they're going to be able to go to into a meeting and be all these responsible individuals to get this ironed out? Uh, you never hear good teams with players only meeting. That's like a really cliche verbiage that comes out. That's like, Oh, a bunch of guys got together that players only meeting. They could be talking about might've been the night after the game, right? They were all at a bar at a restaurant. So I think without knowing the full context, I won't completely crush it, but if they had some formality where they all walked into the room with their notebooks, you know, on Monday morning and sat in a defensive team room and said, this is a players only meeting. That's a bunch of crap. Those are unproductive. It generally means that like the one guy who's the veteran or the highest paid guy goes, well, you know, this is what I thought. And this is what this, this is what you should have done. And then another guy goes, fuck you, buddy. That's not what I'm supposed to have done. The call was this. And then it ends up being nothing. Now in saying all that, if it was something where they just figured it out and said, guys, we keep fucking up. We really need to go figure this out. Let's listen to the coaches. I'm good with that because you need an adult in the room. Um, look, I think you can have a open conversation with team people at any point. There doesn't have to be any rules or boundaries around when you have that conversation. Uh, I'm glad it's happened. Just to change the tone slightly, a big thing that we've been listening to the media here in Cleveland, which is a little bit different to what we see on Twitter, is uh, on the Ken Carmen show, they were talking about they're frustrated because no one's owning up to anything. Uh, Jack, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think the only person, the only two people I've really heard come out and said, yeah, we'll do better, is one was Anthony Walker. And I haven't been able to go back and see, was he the green dot for those snaps or was it uh, Phillips? Because, hey, Phillips wasn't on the field. Phillips wasn't wasn't on the field. For all of the busted plays. Yeah, the only ones I've seen in terms of the, at least from the Jets game, was they were in two linebacker with J.O.K. and Walker. Yeah. So he said, hey, we need to do better. And he, he, it might not be his fault. He might have told people and they're meant to pass the message on, but he's owned that responsibility and said, hey, the call comes into me. It's my responsibility for everyone to know that. And the other person's Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb came out and said, hey, I should have tried to go down. I didn't think we'd lose the game. It was really in my thought mindset, but... There was a factor that if I went down, this game was won. And that is really great to see that, yeah, no, no one's genuinely blaming Nick Chubb. But for him to come out and say, look, there was a t- chance if I fall on the floor, we win that game. That is, it's not the deciding factor, but that's one of many things that went wrong in that last two minutes. And we need to do better as a team. It just shows leadership and maturity. Um, and yeah, it's, it's one that, I don't necessarily need people to come out and say, I own it. I just need to know that they're going to do better. And this is the ideal game to do it. We're up against the worst offense in the NFL. It would be really bad if we were going up and week three was the Bills, the Chiefs, because we could easily be stuck here, sat here post-game talking about 40-something points dropped on us. And then it really would feel like panic stations, even though, hey, the Bills dropping 40 points isn't, unusual these days you mean like titans fans radio on uh, tuesday morning i didn't know that any fans go on the radio <laughs> yeah it, it's it is one of those things where i stefanski came out and said listen it doesn't matter what any of the guys said it's on me which realistically he's right it is on him it doesn't matter if he's the one directly pulling the puppet strings at the end of the day though the true test is going to be tomorrow night 
or for you Friday morning, because talk is cheap. I think Paul, I think Jack, I think we'd all agree with that. They can go out and say whatever they want to the media. If they go out on Thursday and lay a stink burger and somehow let Chase Claypool get behind them because of another miscommunication, then we know, then we know the whole thing was for nothing. So you're right, Jack, the, uh, the perfect, I think, recipe to a, to bad ailment is an offense like the Steelers. So Paul, I know you probably didn't get a chance, but I watched that Steelers game against new England. I hope you, uh, you take 20 shots on Thursday night alone, which by the way, we find funny that that's a low bar number for you, but yeah, you're going to have to do, uh, cause that's going to be a tough game to watch from the Steelers offensively. So ugh. yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's move on. Um, some breaking news. Steelers safety's out for the game tomorrow or suspended. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it looks like, and then Jack had mentioned also they had a steel, a safety poached. So looks like it's Minka and Jimmy Bufutslik. But offensively, for those that don't know, last year, Miles Garrett, what he did to the Steelers offensive tackle was basically criminal. If I'm not mistaken, Jack, didn't he give him a PFF grade of a zero because he didn't win a single pass rush set against Garrett. So that would be the man, the myth, the legend, Dan Moore Jr., their left tackle. Um, he's better in pass block than he is in run blocking from their standpoint. Uh, they got two guards, Kevin Dotson, James Daniels. Fine. They're decent. Nothing great. And then their right tackle, uh, Chikum, I believe it's Chikwuma Okaforo, Okafor, whatever his name is. He's actually pretty decent. So he's going to be going up against Jadavian Clowney's backup because obviously he's the only one that's been ruled out. So if we think that the Browns are going to get any pass rush, it's going to have to come against the left tackle, Dan Moore, possibly up the middle. Mason Colder's center hasn't been great, but the Steelers offensive line, nothing, nothing to write home about. I mean, they're not what they used to be and they're not as bad as they are. And we know Trubisky's mobile. So what's our, what's our defensive game plan going in against this inept offense? Just before we get there, obviously anyone that listens to this show in the offseason has heard this rant and frustration. And hey, I'm a big believer and fan of a lot of the stuff this front office does. But I felt this was a massive error all offseason when it was the pursuit of bringing Jadavion Clowney back. Because the issue is what they've built with this front office is two stars on the edge room and then nothing below it. You've got Alex Wright, that's a, a, a good prospect, but he, he's a fourth choice defensive end you've got Winovich who's barely anything um they wanted Mac Wilson to get rid of him they were going to cut him if we didn't uh, give him Mac Wilson and there's just there is two high high quality starters and nothing and that is the danger of lack of rotation and if something goes wrong with one of them two you have no player who can step up and and play and you look at it oh well what could they have done different Jerry Hughes, who's what, number two rated edge in the NFL, according to PFF at the moment, five million. You've got Melvin Ingram, four million. You could have easily spent that 10 million on Clowney, brought in two guys. And then if one player goes down, you've still got a starter. You've got a third edge that can play regularly in the rotation, whether you're moving Garrett and Clowney inside. And I just felt that was a weakness. And it it's already rearing its ugly head. Luckily, Miles Garrett's expected to play, but could be limited. Um, because we don't think he's fully, fully healthy. Um, This this is a massive dropping of the ball from the front office, because if we can't get on after Mitch Trubisky and 
he's potentially getting three and a half seconds in the pocket. Our secondary is going to look bad, but the blame should belong to the front office and the D-line, not so much, hey, you get to three and a half, four seconds. It's not the secondary's fault if a pass gets made. And, and that's something that big fan of the front office, but when they make a mistake, I think it's still right to criticize. Yeah, I think what our backup edges are going to be Alex Wright, Isaiah Thomas, and Isaac Rochelle, right? Those are the three guys because Winovich went to IR. So well, one of them's got to start. Yeah, one of them's got to start. My guess would be it's what Rochelle's the only veteran. I mean, Thomas and Wright are rookies. It, it's going to be interesting because, you know, the right tackle, obviously, core four is better than the left tackle, but you're, are you going to move Garrett over? to try to give yourself a better matchup. I mean, it's going to be interesting, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see a little bit more blitzing out of Joe Woods. You're going to might see JOK. You might see Walker coming on some delayed blitzes, especially with Trubisky. I mean, I watched him enough years in Chicago to know if the pocket gets a little muddied, he doesn't stand in there. He's not, you know, Brady like and standing in there. He's going to roll. He's going to try to move that pocket. So if that's the case, I take my chances with, you know, JOK or Walker on the edge, especially with as fast as they are. If I have to pursue it on that side, you know, either on the right, I think Trubisky really likes to roll out to the right. So my guess is they're probably, you're probably going to see some corner blitzes. You might see some delayed safety blitzes. I wouldn't be shocked if we have maybe a little bit more of a graduate level defensive game plan, because realistically, Jack, you know this, it's Najee Harris. And then it's a couple guys. I mean, Claypool's fine. He, if you need somebody tall and Deontay Johnson's a decent little route runner, but neither, none of these guys, there's no Stefan Diggs. There's no, you know, Amari Cooper. There's no Cooper cups. These guys are just decent receivers. So the secondary Fryer should be able to hold. Yeah. Friar But again, if I'm blitzing JOK and I got to use Anthony Walker, I, I'll take my chances with Anthony Walker in coverage, or I'll take maybe even Delpit, Ronnie Harrison. I feel like contained, but also you're not talking about deep threats again. If the Steelers have to go on a 12 play, 12 play offensive drive, I feel like the numbers are definitely tipping in our favor that way. You guys just going for the sounds of silence here? I was waiting for some Paul Brown magic. You want some Paul Brown magic? We're going to get Paul Brown magic. What is your score prediction going to be for tomorrow? I, I, I think I should go last because I think I've got a feeling mine might be the boldest of the bunch. I'm going to go with. 27 13 Browns. 21 Browns, 20 Steelers. It's back. First time of the season. I'm calling it. I'm pretty much in line with Ian. I've got 24 10 to the Browns. I think it will be convincing. I am genuinely not worried. I've given them 10 because I think there'll be one blown play and a field goal. Uh, This is a team that had six turnovers and needed overtime to win. Forget how. The Bengals looked last year, six turnovers. That is absolutely dominating the turnover battle, and you still need overtime. If if the Browns had six turnovers against the Jets, we'd be talking about 40 to 10. Five to three, maybe. Yeah. Um, it, it would have been a bloodbath. And this is a game that went to overtime. And that is how bad they are. They're a sorry state of a team. And if they're dominating us and it's a close game, a win shouldn't be enough to keep Joe Woods' head. 
ultimately we have to figure out, you know, where we're going to get these points from on offense. And I think the first place you start looking at is, you know, the Steelers secondary. I think everybody knows Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, their other safety Terrell Edmonds. So they have decent, they're getting decent safety play this year. The problem they're having is on the corners, whether it's Akilah Weatherspoon, the guy that was in San Francisco, that's now over there, Cam Sutton, he's over there, Levi Wallace. These are just not strong corners. So my question becomes, who are they going to put on Amari Cooper? Because I think Brissett, to what we saw in that Jets game, just needs to use that exact same game plan against these weak corners. Because even their linebackers, I mean, they have Miles Jack over there, but we all know he's a little bit better in the run side than he used to be. And he used to be better with uh, in pass coverage with Jacksonville, but now that he's gone a little bit down the hill there. And Devin Bush, I mean, Devin Bush is one of the lowest graded linebackers there is and hasn't really been all that great. And they traded up pretty big for him. So, in, in terms of attacking that back second, that back seven, I think Brissett's going to be able to pick and choose all the things he wants to do. There's nobody in the Steelers that are really going to, you're not going to take your deep shots, but other than that, they're going to be fine. Yeah, Minka is playing, but is also limited um, this week. So there, there is health concerns there. Um, it's one where we should be able to dominate. And if we look back to last game, we hopefully the run game actually picks up because um if we look at the first three quarters of the Jets game, it was carried by Brissett and the passing game. The run game was basically nowhere to be seen for the first three quarters. It came alive in the fourth. But if the pass game isn't carrying the team, it doesn't matter what Chubb and Hunt are doing in the fourth quarter. You need the passing game to carry when the run game isn't delivering. So lots of people look at the stats after the game and they go, oh, it must have been great. It wasn't great. Um, we need to focus on keeping that going. Harrison Bryant and um, Cooper did a great job. Those were where the ball was going. It wasn't as much to Njoku. It certainly wasn't the Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, hopefully some more guys can get in the pass game because, as Ian said, there, there is very little outside Minka um, that is going to scare you. Yeah, um, remember, TJ Watt's not playing, right? So you're talking about the Alex Highsmiths. You're talking about Miles Jack on that other linebacker. You're not talking about anything that's very in Cam Hayward in the middle, but outside of that, the defense just isn't what it used to be. Wormley, he's your D tag. I'm trying to think. Oh, they got so they have decent D tackles. Uh, Hayward, Wormley. Outside of that, there's really not going to be too much. I mean, I think that you're right, Jack. They need to carry that game plan over where the pass is going to loosen up the run, drop those people back, and then you can hit them with Chubb. Because I'll take my I'll take my chances R five on their four in terms of separating the run game. Yeah, put the foot on the neck and just go for the kill every single drive. Um, the fans need it. The team needs it. Um, Paul Brown needs it. He's, we got we to get him going, man. After that devastating loss there on Sunday, man, we got to get the life back into Paul before we send him back across the pond to you, Jack. Yeah, if, if, if he's finishing this game out and it's 24-10, and who knows, it might be 30s um, to 10 to 13, then – all of this sort of negativity, we're talking about, say, three turnovers, the positivity is back, and that's something you can fix a lot of these problems. You won't have fixed too much in two days. They can fix these things going into week four because that week five game is going to be tough. Who knows, but Herbert's health is going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. But week six, we've got the Patriots potentially could be in play because they haven't looked good. Um, and even though it's gone from a a disappointment against the Jets, we get to four and two, very positive again. So it, it, it can change. And you've got to look, the Ravens bottled it, how the Cincinnati Bengals bottled it. Uh, the Chiefs better not bottle it this week. 
that is one game that if they bottle it, I will not be pleased. Did you have a little, you have a little Vegas on that one? Uh, there, there is plenty of Vegas on that one. I got the line at minus three before week two, and it's now minus six and a half, and it's looking like it will go over the seven. Um, the Colts are pathetic, and Patrick Mahomes better kill him. He's never lost a game in a dome, and he better not start now. Come on. Come on, Matt Ryan. Come on. I'm just teasing. Um, Paul, what are you looking forward to the most tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow um, I'm meeting Sir Yacht in the morning. Oh, okay. That's good. And then I'm uh, going to go. What, down are, you, what are you guys doing? Are you doing some social media content? Can't say at this stage, mate. Um, I am then, I have then been invited to a uh, the ultimate Cleveland sports show with our buddy. Who's our buddy? Well, I think isn't that the one with Jay Crawford? I think it's Jay Crawford, that? Adam the Bull. Uh, I think Garrett Bush is on that one. I think that's that group. Tyvis Powell, friend of the podcast. There, Jay Jay Crawford. He's an Ohio guy. Has he been on the show before? I don't know. You, if not, we need to get him on. If you see him, tell Jay Crawford he needs to come on. Yeah, okay, cool. Jay's a, Jay's a good guy. He was working national for a while, and now he's covering the Browns and covering local. So right, you know, cool. you know Adam the Bull. I don't really know him that well. 92.3. He's on after Carmen. He was with uh, Bull and Fox. Yeah, quite aggressive show. I've been listening to it quite a lot over <laughs> There you go. So that'll be a good not time. Saying it's a, not saying it's a negative. It's just the style they use. Um, I think Jay has been on the show, actually, before. Uh, yeah, so that that's the plan for uh, lunch tomorrow. Then I'm going to go down to the Muni lot at 2 o'clock, cook some steaks, and then I'm going to leave there at 6 o'clock and then head towards West 6. And then hopefully, big announcement, I'm going to try and be in Nick Chubb's suite by 7 o'clock, 7.30. There's one question that... It's been blowing up the airwaves. I was going to say, Jack, I wonder if this is the same question I was going to ask. And the people want to know, Paul, is the Guinness Challenge on? Me and Joe Thomas have been texting each other. Um, There is a bit of flexibility, so it may happen tomorrow. If it is, it's going to be in uh, Flannels, is it, Ian? Flanagan's or Flannery's, the one right there in West Flannery's, Flannery's. I'll meet Joe Thomas down there and have a pint with him. Love it. I was... It was the number one question. So after our last podcast, which I reminded you, look, update you guys, your hopes up. you guys are really excited about it. I think oh, you're just well. nervous. He's going to beat you. That's also a factor. Yes. Um, <laughs> he's beaten me in three things already in life. Only three. Height. Fit wife. And Jagerbomb challenge. So yeah. Um, yeah, probably beat me in the Guinness Challenge as well, right. mate. So there needs to be two then. A, you and him, the full pint. See who can get through it first. Oh, piss off. I've seen a way next to drink. He is like, <laughs> I no want to see, not only I want to see the Guinness Challenge, but I want to see the whole Guinness Challenge from start to stop. I I'll just want to see cha- if he beats you as much drinking it as it like the difference in your heights. I want to see if there's that much of a difference between the two. All right. What I'll do is if... You, you guys get your hopes up far too much here. Um, you know, he's a busy man. So, uh, but anyway, if we do the Guinness Challenge, I will then say to him, whatever the situation, 
let's neck it to the bottom. Let's see who, who, who can neck it first. There you go. And then 100%, just remember, cheat, cheat to win. So if you say we go on three, you say one, two, and then you go first, you get a head start. Remember, in life, there's no such thing as cheating to win in a non-regulated competition. So give yourself an advantage. He's not going to listen to this until after he loses. So there you go, Paul. I'm giving you the secrets. Say one, two, three, go, and you go one, two, and start going. Say, oh, sorry, I beat you. He could have a five-second head start, or I could have a five-second head start. He would still beat me in. We'll do some practice before. If, if you're shit at something, you can't improve. <laughs> the Famous words is, to live by, live by right there. Who? Uh, this is a question for Ian. Who was under more pressure? Cade York, week one, with the game-winning field goal, or Paul Brown, Guinness Challenge, versus Joe Thomas? Who has more to lose on the line? Uh, Paul, for sure. I've already seen Cade knocking game winners in the Bayou. I've seen him against SEC teams. This man must have, I don't know if he has granite testicles yet, Cade York, but they're, you know, they're, they're firming up. Paul at this point is admitting defeat. I'm seeing spongy amoeba style. Like we need, just need to solidify his testicular fortitude here, Paul. I mean, it's steel. It's fucking beat Steelers week here. And you're whimpering out. You need to challenge the Hoff and say, damn it, Hoff. I'm whooping your ass. Do you need me to get Greg Williams on the phone to give you a pep talk? Oh. I'll buy the cameo. I'll get the oh. cameo, buddy. You take your that, ass that in that be, locker room. That's a good cameo. That's a good cameo. You need to get Greg Williams. We're going to get a cameo. Greg Williams hyping up Paul for his drinking contest against Joe Thomas. You put your testicles in the sea gap there, Paul Brown. <laughs> We're going to relive hard knocks right there. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Look. You guys getting super hyped. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm really excited about tomorrow anyway. It's my last game, my last day, and then I travel straight after the game back to New York and then back to London. <sighs> Send Paul Brown home, two and one, baby. It figures. Okay. You're leaving right as I'm coming into town, Paul. Our worlds collide. What, what, what time do you get into town? I'll be into town on Saturday. It's whole day. He's only willing to turn up when Paul Brown's gone. Yeah, I like that. Next it's my thing. wife's rules. I can't. I can't say anything about it. Well, you don't have to come to. You don't have to come to Cleveland when Paul's in town. She says you stay away from Paul. He's already broken our car once, and he makes you drink too much. Ah, <laughs> yes. I still want to do a Guinness challenge. I guess I'm gonna have to just come to Every London. Every single but... mate's girlfriend hates me. Every That's... single mate's girlfriend hates me. It's a fact. I can see that. Un undeserved, um, of course. So, but deserve. Paul, deserve. how much better are you going to feel? So we already know that you you've gone through the highs and lows of being a Browns fan. So you had the lows jets, you walked out, just bottled it. You're just done Thursday night. They go out and just, it's no doubt about it. Nick Chubb's taking knees in the third quarter. That's how bad we're beating them. Right. Since that'll make Browns fans happy. How much, how, how good would it be for you to have the lows on the Thursday, the highs of the highs? Remember they say division wins count as two leaving Brown stadium on your way to the airport Thursday night with a win. I'm going to get, I'm going to go to the closest supermarket and buy lumps of meat and for a Steelers fans. That's how excited I'm going to be. Get some ham. Yeah. Nice ham on the bone. Start throwing it at Steelers fans. <laughs> payback, payback bitches. Your mum's a, your son's a, your dad's a, yeah. Oh, that guy. Always um, to me. Guys, one thing I want to mention, Hayden, I wasn't very happy this morning. I woke up with 
someone big in the NFL texting, Hayden's going to retire with the Steelers. Two minutes later, it's deleted. Then he's going to retire with the Browns. Adam Schefter. A little bit of a whoopsie on that one there, <laughs> uh, Should have kept it up. Yeah, no, she, uh, she, he. Hayden is one of my favorite Browns. He really is. Um, I've had the privilege of meeting him a few times, and he's just overall such a nice guy. Philanthropy in terms of the community, just an overall, him and his wife, Sarah, great people. They were great ambassadors for Cleveland. It did really hurt to see him go to Pittsburgh. I do believe he even had a game-changing interception at one point uh, with them as well. But it's nice that he's going to come retire as a Brown. Uh, I think it's a business decision for him. I think he'll be a very, very popular. I think he sees what's happening with Joe Thomas and knows that he will be beloved again very quickly. So I think actually we can probably get him on the podcast, bring Hayden on to talk about it now that he's officially retired. Overall, just a really good guy. Joe, a person once told me in regards to Joe Hayden, if you don't like Joe Hayden, it tells me more about you than it does about Joe. So that just kind of tells you right there what kind of guy he is. Was a good player, one of the few Browns draft picks that doesn't go on the other side of the bus category. You know, he was very good for the Browns. Unfortunately, the contractual coming into those Sashi years just didn't, he didn't fit the long-term plan of what they wanted. I think they quickly regretted it. We talk about locker room guys and stuff like that, but I mean, you, you heard on that Tomahawk podcast, how much it really just devastated the Browns when he left. So that tells you all you need to know about Joe Hayden. Jack, how do you feel, mate? Ex-Steelers, legend? I'm completely indifferent to it. It really doesn't bother me. Um, you know why I don't get sentimental about anything other than me, dog. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's what it is. He's back, whatever it is. Um, at the end of the day, it was a move where he's, he's got one of the highest paid corners in the NFL when they made the decision. They're going into a rebuild. He's come off one season where he barely played. Um, and then another one where he missed a few games. Um, it was a business decision about a direction we're going. And who knows, if you're not in that position, are you then getting the highest pick? And the, the other thing, do, do you get Miles Garrett? That, that, that's a fair thing. If, if you're a little bit better, are you pushed further up the, up the draft and you lose out on Miles Garrett, number one pick? And all of those little things where it's easy to go, hey, you'd have kept him, but... There is knock-on impact with everything. So um, it is what it is. He's had a good career. Happy for him. Um, according to Ian, loads of great off-the-field stuff. Happy days, but I don't really care either way. Is what it All is. All right, here's our last question. Paul, give me an offensive and a defensive MVP for tomorrow night. Who is going to be the offensive MVP? Who is going to be the defensive MVP? Um, off. Uh, defense is going to be JOK. Okay. This is where you tell me he's not playing. And then, he is. Uh, okay. And then offense. I'm going to be predictable and go chump. Okay. Okay. All right, Jack, what about you? So, no, you're right on JOK. Hey, number one linebacker in the NFL. PFF, Joe Kane, number two, Anthony Walker. So those guys have been lighting it up two weeks into the season. I'm going to go, in terms of the offense, MVP, I'm going to say Jacoby Brissett. I want to say Amari Cooper, but if you're 
you can't give it to a wide receiver because if the quarterback's playing really well, the quarterback looks better than the wide receiver. Just just how the rules work. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to say Denzel Ward. Oh! He's going to get an interception. He's going to take that monkey off his back. Um, maybe after he gets his interception, he'll run up to the camera and say, that one's not on me, boys. <laughs> See what happens when they throw on me, John Costco. See what happens. Uh, all right, so you're on Brissett and, and Ward. I was initially going to go with Ward until you poached him from me. I'm going to say John Johnson is going to step up, and he's going to be the better number 43. I don't know, he's making 43, 34. I don't know what the hell he is. Either way, John Johnson is going to be the best safety on the field tomorrow night. And on the offensive side, I'm going with the wild card, right? So this is the one. Don't bet it. It's strictly just hopeful. I think the breakout game of the season for number 85, David Njoku. I think Njoku matches up very well against their linebackers. I think that they're going to use their safeties to try to stop Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think David Njoku needs to step up. I'm predicting 100 yards receiving for David Njoku and a touchdown. I think David Njoku is your offensive MVP and John Johnson's your defensive MVP. Could you see Amari Cooper slid into the slot and they Absolutely. basically use Minka as a slot corner for the whole game and not really using him as a safety. Absolutely. Yeah. And then if I see, I wouldn't be surprised if they use that same strategy where they move Najoku or Bryant into the flex that they drop Terrell Edmonds down and then drop Minka as the free safety. But I think, yeah, I think you're probably only going to see two corners from the Steelers, probably Witherspoon and Sutton. You're probably not going to see much of that third corner. Uh, you're going to see the safety. I would say, yeah, they'll probably use Minka in that, or they're going to try to bracket him with linebackers and safeties. One thing, if anyone's watching Thursday Night Football Prime are doing some crazy stuff. Um, I forget what the secondary view is called, but they'll light up all of the skill players um, and then you'll see their roots develop um, on the screen. Um, it's whatever view they call it, um, but it's worth looking at because I didn't watch it the first week. Regret not watching it because it was so good um, how they uh, lit up. So what will happen is, say, Njoku's running around there will be a line on the screen which stays there for about two seconds. You can see exactly what route you run, um, and then it's all lit up. So really good quality. Go go search for it if you're watching on Amazon Prime. Um, should be enjoyable. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. But I think all three of us have the Browns winning this one. Uh, they need to win it. They need a first division win of the season. So on that note, Paul, you ought to add anything? Yeah, I just want to say I've been to uh, – I've had a lovely – I've had a lovely time since the last podcast. I've been to, um, I went to the Spotted Owl last night in Tremont. I enjoyed watching the Guardians very late. I went to High and Dry, where they've got duck, skittles or bowling. And uh, where else did I go last night? I went to All Saints in Edgewater. Very nice. All, all these hot spots for anyone that comes to Cleveland. And today I went to... Der Dutchman, right? Der Dutchman for breakfast. And then I went to Mohiki, Ohio State Park. And it was lovely there. Mohican, the Mohican State Park. Mohican, yeah. I will uh, say you also made it over to uh, Vladimir Putin's Bay, huh, right? Oh, that was yesterday, Putin's Bay. But um, I also known as Put in Bay. I went to Putin's Bay and then fucking declares World War Three. I'm not going there again, I'll tell you that now. Um, <laughs> I also went to Millersburg Brewery. I went to Worcester today. I went to another fucking brewery 
just another. Did you see the fighting? Book. Did you see the fighting Scots down in Worcester? I didn't know. What's that? The Worcester. They're called the Worcester Fighting Scots. So the team is led on by bagpipes to the field for the Worcester <sighs> I missed College. Them, man. So so devastating. I missed them. Well, it's it, it's probably for the better because every time you put a bagpiper on your social media page, they're pretty terrible. Yeah. Uh, but so you go to another fucking champions. brewery, you said? You go to another fucking brewery? Yeah, that's what it was called. And I then drove through a drive-through where you drive into a building in a car, and then you just give you your booze. That was amazing. Yep. Those are always good, the little drive-ins. Yep. Tonight I'm off to Lakewood to go meet John Walsh and have a taco at Al Palazza. There you go. And uh, yeah, who knows what else can happen tonight? If you guys see Paul Brown out there, make sure to give him a shout out and make sure Wonderful. to buy him a shot and challenge him big, to the Guinness. Get his challenge. Get his challenge. Big, yeah, big shout out to Mark at High and Dry for keeping the bar open to watch the 11th innings of the Guardians last night. Great guy. Yeah, great win by the Indians as well. Amazing. All right. Well, on that note, Let's all get ready for Thursday night football. Jack, you good? You got anything you need to add? Or are you good? Uh, good. Excited. Um, sometime on Friday evening, we'll record uh, a uh, post-game podcast. Absolutely. I'm thinking, Jack, early morning. Right off the plane. Yeah, I'm, Before I'm, the I'm plane. not feeling an early morning. <laughs> all right, go. All right, guys. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.